Hello and welcome back to Analytics at ServiceNow with your host Alex Sanginov. This is Season 2 and we are excited to cover the ins and outs of a day in the life of analytics roles and their contribution in creating value to fuel the company's growth. In this episode, we're joined by Manjit Singh, Director of Product Management, Future Products, and Nick Borgward, Director of IT Workflows, who introduced analytics to its other half, Workflows, to drive productivity to new levels. Let's hear how. Hello and welcome to the show, Manjit Nick. Uh, so great to have you. I've been patiently waiting to talk about analytics on Workflows. Thanks for having us, Alex. Glad to be here. Alex, excited to be here. Welcome again. Uh, let's uh, j- jump right in. Can you start off uh, by giving us an overview? What is it? What is it like to be a business process owner? Yeah, sure. So you know, a business process owner is you know one one term that could be used for the role. Internally here at ServiceNow, we also go by say a product owner or. Um, governance manager of a given process. So, you know, I work very closely with some of our IT governance um, managers, and that's primarily what is associated to this business process owner role. And if you think about it, it's really just, you know, that, that role or that person or team responsible to manage and improve any given process. And if we think in terms of say IT service management, um, an incident process owner is there to look at the inefficiencies and the efficiencies of what's working well within our organization. So they're driving, say, the product backlog. If we need to make enhancements or you know add new features to the incident management application to increase productivity somewhere or um, right. you know add a, a feature in, that's really their primary responsibility. And so, like. A, typical day in the life, they're looking at their, you know, metrics and their KPIs that they're measuring. And if they're seeing those, you know, go in a negative direction, they'll, they'll start to double click into why that is. Um, and in the reverse, if they're seeing a, a good uptrend, then they know that some changes that they put in previously are working. So that's really the primary responsibility here. Okay. Um, outside of, you know, training the organization and getting them up to speed in terms of, you know, the process that's put in place or any changes to the process. Right. It's simply, in other words, if I understood it correctly, it's basically the people who get to do the cool stuff, you know, actually making the workflows work for people. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. (laughs) That's really what it is, especially here. So. Right. Yeah. And if I, if I can add uh, what typically happens is, uh, you know, uh, when you are starting, let's say on ServiceNow or, or for any process per se, um, and as you continue to add more features, you know, do your customization, do external integration, your process becomes more and more complex uh, over a period of time. And what you will see is uh, that, hey, the, why do we have so many deviation in our process? Right. And that's where as a process owner, one of the, the, the job I see from the responsibility standpoint is that 
how you can uh, minimize the process deviations, how you can keep your process more simplified and lean so that they are more suitable for you know, the applying automation or any other sort of optimization activity. Right. So yeah, Alex, I mean, it is uh, exciting and fun, but uh, <laughs> at the same time, I think it is a, it is a tough, tough job uh, right. on a daily basis. I can only imagine. And of course, you know, being a data person and being the analytics podcast, uh, can you can we can you walk us through how do you go about applying analytics on workflow? This is the concept that we discussed in episode one. For those who are uh, new to this uh, episode, I highly recommend to go back and listen to the prior episodes as well. So, can, can we kick off there? Analytics on workflows. Yeah, sure. So I think one way to uh, understand this is uh, like when we use the word quote unquote process. So think of that as basically a set of uh, the activities and steps that you do uh, in your business process to deliver the desired services to your you know, inter-employee or end users, uh, whatever is applicable. And so which means that uh, uh, you when, when you want to understand uh, or want to get answered to these two questions, one, uh, number one is, hey, do you know how your processes are working? Do you have visibility into your process? Right. Um, and the second is, uh, if yes, are you able to make the data or facts-based decisions uh, in optimizing those processes? Right, um, and I think that's where it's uh, it's different than um, uh, than looking at a standalone KPI, or because that's, for example, if I'm looking at just a CSAT score, right? It's just one after the fact mm-hmm. feedback from my employees to telling me how did we perform. Right. Um, with and, and this uh, analytics on workflow is looking at the entire end-to-end uh, process view that how the work is actually happening in that process or, or uh, you know, those related processes. Um, yeah, so, and, and then sometime, it, you know, you're not just talking about one process. Well, processes do talk or connect to other processes, right? So if you go deeper, it, you know, that depending on how you have deployed, um, it becomes right. very, uh, very interesting and, uh, and an important part that you should analyze. Right. And, you know, and, you know, Manjeet, maybe, uh, you know, internally here at ServiceNow, what I could give as an example is our request management process. So, you know, we, we know that in some cases, some of our uh, services out there to request, they take a while to fulfill. And so we've had, um, you know, our performance analytics team, for example, put uh, some indicators on a few of our request forms out there. So we can pinpoint, you know, why it's taken so long. So that, that's one scenario that we've um, applied internally here. That's, that is helpful. Uh, and I'm just curious, at which point do you need or do you realize you do need to apply analytics on workflows? Nick, I, th- I think you, know, you were mentioning a, 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 an internal process, right? Uh, can, can we go you know, one layer deeper in understanding what goes behind the scene in identifying that pain point? that leads into applying analytics to uncover additional insights. Yeah, uh, definitely. So, you know, I kind of look at it in, it, there's there's two ways of doing it. There's the reactive way, which is the majority of the time. And then there's a more of a proactive approach. Um, 
if I try to break down the two, so reactive is if you know a process is inefficient, right? You know there's somewhere it needs to be improved. That's more reactive. But if you're not quite sure, uh, you know, that there's improvements to be made, but you still want to evaluate, that's more the proactive approach. Right. And so, you know, what we've we've done internally quite a bit is more on the reactive side, and we are doing some proactive measures as well. And the example I gave about, you know, some of our request uh, forms taken a while, that's an example of reactive, right? Because we're able, right. we realize that, hey, some of these are taking a very long time. Um, but then, you know, another example is our software requests. Um, this was one, one sample where, you know, it works well, uh, but IT support wanted to really figure out why we, you know, why some of the uh, request items were being held up for so long. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that, you know, they found that there was a irrelevant approval, you know, being added to most software forms. And so uh, that was more of the proactive measure. So what we did is we actually got rid of the, uh, yeah. that redundant approval and that really sped things up. Right. So in a nutshell, if I'm understanding this correctly, uh, as the workflow or you know the process itself matures, then you know it gives us more opportunity to apply and do cool things like applying analytics on top and becoming more proactive rather than reactive. That's yeah, literally the optimization and the maturity standpoint. Exactly. Yep, and, and it, it really is. You you touched on the maturity standpoint. So as you as a company and for us specifically, as we've matured our processes, you know, we're now more down the proactive approach. What would be some lessons learned uh, in terms of applying or getting uh, over the hump of, you know, maturity? If someone, especially, you know, our customers, if they're starting out, uh, how could they go about uh, putting in place some of these best practices ahead of time? Yeah, so Alex, maybe I can I can start uh, here. Uh, so uh, I think the best approach uh, I've seen working well in this case is, and uh, I and I would say that approach is not not new for for here. It's like crawl, walk, run. Um, and the reason that approach work uh, really well in this case is uh, because uh, initially it's not just about kind of discovering those inefficiencies in your process. Right. Uh, there's definitely value in that. Uh, but I think the real value or where you see the friction from within the team is that change management or that actually implementing those improvements. Um, right. Okay. So, yes. so now that's where it's like, uh, you don't want to start it too, too broad uh, in the beginning. Okay. Uh, so the, my recommendation here is uh, that you pick your one core process for example, mm. you know, the request management, uh, what Nick was mentioning is a, uh, is a good candidate, similarly incident management or, right. or case management, because those are the processes where you have a lot of team members are working on, there's a lot of volume, there is, you know, the, the other important KPIs depends on your customer satisfaction and cost and so on, right? And, and then you start looking at, uh, again, that what are the some low hanging fruit? Because once you start analyzing, you will be surprised to see uh, some of those easy uh, easy changes you can do either at the process level itself or maybe at the at your team's level that hey I see there's a lot of uh, 
you know, the, uh, the ping pong happening between these two teams, do we have a training or a coaching opportunity as an example? Right. Um, so you start from that one and then as you make improvement, uh, always, uh, and I'll underscore this, always, always capture your kind of pre and uh, uh, the kind of post implementation state. Whatever improvements you are making, whether you are applying some uh, automation technique or, uh, you know, the, this coaching and training example I gave, right. then you will be able to quantify the improvement you have achieved um, as part of uh, as part of your uh, uh, the optimization initiative, mm-hmm. and and I would say do a very good job of sharing and evangelizing that that uh, this is uh, hey this is how we are using this is how much benefit we have achieved right. and i would give kudos to nick and team because uh, they applied this on request management and then uh, i think soon after they did a company wide uh, webinar that uh, hey these tools uh, capability now exist in our uh, internal uh, systems Okay. And this is how, you know, we were able to save the time and then, you know, the, the, those areas. And I think that creates that uh, interest and right. you will see more and more people, your cross-functional teams or the other business team will be like, hey, can I apply in this my business area? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, that's how you, uh, you know, the, you, sh- you should expand. Um, right. Because then it's not that, uh, hey, the, yeah. so the change, the friction part I was mentioning, it will be relatively easier to, uh, easier to overcome. Right. Yeah. yeah. As you mentioned, uh, in order to avoid the ping pong between the teams, right, as you beautifully said, mm-hmm. what would the engagement model or the workflow would look like uh, in order to work with, you know, with, with this role or, you know, with your teams in this case? You know, for us, we are, my team primarily is responsible for the technical delivery of many of our applications. And so the engagement model for us internally, again, working with our governance managers or AKA process owners, um, they, with, with um, process optimization, it's very intuitive to you. So we were there to set the application up, install it right on our platform. We trained um, some of our process owners on it up front. We helped them uh, configure some of the project records um, as well up front, but then they were really off on their own. And so because it's so intuitive, right. they can start running this, you know, these projects and these models off um, the processes that they're, they're configuring. And they really don't need our help much more after that, unless they have data uh, questions on like the data structure, if, if they need some clarity, but for the most part on, on process optimization, it was, it was pretty simple. Okay. Yeah, and, and I would say that partly the reason uh, here, Alex, is um, uh, our process optimization solution that we release with Quebec, um, mm-hmm. it is natively built onto, uh, onto at the platform level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so which means that with just two easy steps, you can mine any workflow or process that is running on, on, on ServiceNow. So not just the workflows that we give to our customers, Anything you as a ServiceNow customer, user, if you have created your own custom app or, you know, the, uh, so you'd be uh, very easily in a, like a totally uh, no code way. You pick your your process and then with the push of a button, uh, you will have the entire map in front of you. Interesting. Um, And I think the ease of ease is important because uh, that's what make uh, capabilities like this 
uh, more business user friendly. I know we are talking about process, kind of business process owner here. We usually right. are, I would say, you know, domain expert or you know, have technical skill. Right. But, but I do see process mining in general will be useful for uh, you know other business users in, in the organization. Right. Yeah. Low code, no code is the future. Yep. And uh, in the light of, uh, as you mentioned, you know, uh, crawl, walk, run, right? Mm-hmm. For some of the teams or companies who are relatively earlier in their digital transformation journey, what are the key areas and lessons learned someone pay closer attention to in order to be successful? Yeah, sure. I, I would say great question. Uh, and, and one part that Nick touched on is where you have, I would say you have the faster time to value or ROI is uh, that you start looking at your existing processes and if you're like, you're a little right. bit higher up in the maturity model. Okay. Um, but the good thing, good thing is that the process mining is applicable even if your maturity level is uh, you are at the beginning of the curve. Uh, let me give you one or two examples here. Okay. So uh, let's say you have a bunch of other workflows and processes running today on your legacy system or you know the outside of ServiceNow platform. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It is still worth looking the that process through the lens of process mining. Um, that hey, how our existing workflow are working, and if you want to centralize and if you want to digitize those workflow on a central platform like uh, ServiceNow, uh, that's where uh, you know that this uh, process discovery and mining becomes really helpful, right? So which right. means that even in your the beginning journey where you are digitizing your bringing everything into this uh, you know one data model, uh, that's where also you know it, it helps. And I do see some of our customers actually trying to, or wants to use it uh, in, in you know, the, taking their existing processes, using our app engine, again, low code, no code, you right. and then uh, digitize, then automate, and then continue to optimize, right? So the theme here is, uh, right, in the one way I, I uh, connect the dots, like in the digital transformation is that your digitization is just your first step once right. you have your workflow digitized, yes. uh, then you look for the, okay, how can we continue to simplify them and the optimization part and how we can apply automation wherever it makes sense. Got it. Okay. And, and you know, maybe Manjeet, the other thing I'd add to that point is also, you know, going back to one of the first questions Alex um, asked us is, mm-hmm. you know, what what's the typical role of a process owner? I, you, you know, as you, companies move through their maturity um, scale, it's also important that, you know, that whoever is the process owner, they're passionate about improving process, you know, constantly. Yes. And, you know, that really just comes down to a mindset and, you know, even at an individual level, it's not really a technology thing. It's more of a people skill set. So I've certainly seen that, you know, internally where it's very important that, um, you know, whoever is that process owner is, is almost obsessed in turning that, that process uh, <laughs> right. uh, around. So, right. Yeah. I mean, anything, any, uh, anything around like the optimization on here, it all comes down to this uh, 
PPT, the People, Process, and Tools. So <laughs> that's why I think uh, very right. good point, Nick. Uh, the people angle here as a process owner itself, and then how you basically, uh, you know, they involve the right people who are uh, receive the responsible for approval, change management, security, governance. So all those pieces comes into play. Right. In the light of being or living through that uh, through the business process owner uh, owners, you know, day in that life. What are the exciting parts about this role? And on the flip side, what are the least exciting parts of this role? Yeah, so I think you know I would probably uh, summarize this with with most of the um, partners I'm working with internally here, our, our governance governance managers. Definitely, the most exciting part is really. Mm-hmm. That, that they get excited the most about uh, is when that they have something they know they're improving, right? Whether that's, mm-hmm. you know, writing stories to, you know, add a, a feature in or an enhancement, um, whether it's finding that needle in a haystack, like that's, that's one of the most right. exciteful moment, moments I've seen from some of them in, in terms of, uh, you know, they're stuck on something for a long time and then they finally find that, that needle in the haystack and um, yes. able to move forward. And then I would also say, you know, on the flip side, sometimes you do have to go try to find that needle in a haystack and it can be frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that might be more of a, a least favorite part. Um, okay. But definitely a lot of, you know, positives from our governance managers on, on what they're doing day in and day out and improving our product and our processes internally. So Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, same thing, but I'll uh, reword it another way. Uh, so I think the exciting part is the the visibility, uh, the part that that Nick mentioned, visibility, and then uh, uh, it's like, do you know what's happening, and and maybe why part as well to a certain extent, why it is yes. happening. Correct. Because that then uh, I think you are much more informed and armed with the, making the right prioritization and right decision on where to, right. where to optimize. Um, and, but then I think that talking about the least in, interesting or the challenging part is uh, I, I mentioned earlier, it's the, the actual implementing those things and tracking the benefits. Uh, so that's where mm-hmm. I see, uh, you know, um, some organization, uh, if they, yeah, depending on how how it is structured, it may may be easy, or in some cases, <laughs> it will be hard. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's it, actually a good good point, Manji. We do have that internally, where sometimes you know it is troublesome to always measure and report back on. But mm-hmm. again, we've we've been maturing over the years, and we're very mature in most of our processes. So now you know, that the reporting back for us, um, mm. typically all through, you know, performance analytics or reports or, you know, other measures. Um, so we're kind of breaking that barrier, but I definitely agree. Like pulling a lot of these, you know, KPIs uh, manually is, is not a fun part of that position. Yeah. Got it. And in the light of, you know, the challenges, we'd like to understand a little bit deeper. Uh, can you speak about, you know, uh, some of the challenges uh, that you have come across and what are you know the lessons learned that stand out from that? Yeah, I think you know some of our biggest challenges is in the area of kind of when we are transitioning from reactive to proactive. Um, 
Because when you're in that reactive mindset, you're always, you know what you're looking for. You've got a target and you're, you're trying to find that. But when you start to transition into that proactive approach, and this really applies anywhere across the board, right? you're not always, you don't have a target to go after, right? You're, you're trying to find areas that you want to improve where there may or may not be something there. Okay. Um, you know, in that, that's definitely been a challenge. Uh, and we've, we've certainly gotten a lot better at it. And I'd also say from like a lessons learned in that approach is there's no magic to it there. You, you know, you just kind of got to, you have to get through that phase in order to get to more of that proactive mindset. Um, but staying reactive is never going to, you know, progress you or whichever company you're, um, you know, you're, you're in forward. So, okay. Um, that's, that's my input. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, and I'll add one from, so what we discovered uh, in our initial research when we were building out the solution was uh, that, okay, having this tool is great, uh, but at the same time, not every process is, uh, is an ideal candidate for, you know, start optimizing, uh, optimizing right away. Right. Uh, and there could be a few different reasons. Maybe, you know, the, hey, you don't have the required auditing or logs um, that are used in building your process map. Okay. Um, or maybe, uh, you know, you, you have connected your process in such, you know, in such a way where, you know, that you, you don't have the complete log files. Um, uh, but but I think yeah, Nick. What Nick said is is uh, is 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 a very important point. It's uh, once you uh, because the the thing that uh, as a process owner you should use here is let the data speak for you, right? Yes. Uh, and and that's where I think this proactive mindset and uh, and and when you honestly starts to come start from basically that mindset, there is mm-hmm. always room for optimization. No matter you may claim that, hey, my our processes are fantastic, right. and we don't we don't think we need to improve because we are so unique. Right. Uh, but when you start to look at the you know the full end to end process, uh, you'll be surprised. Yes. Uh, hey, I didn't know we have these many deviations. Absolutely. Those are great insights. Sorry. And Nathan. Alex, uh, you know, mind, I might actually add one more that I thought of as, as Manjeet was uh, talking, because we, we did run across this and we have it internally. And I'm sure, right. you know, many others do is mm-hmm. most our processes internally are on the now platform. Um, you know, whether it's, again, ITSM processes to HR, finance, what have you, right? Right. And, you know, when something, you know, uh, a new application or feature comes out such as process optimization um you don't all you don't also want to really boil the ocean at once so you know what we did was we took a area that we knew which was in that 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 request management side and we ran that through kind of learned you know how does this work you know what's working well what doesn't before we move on to other um processes so i just wanted to point that out as another internal uh learning we've had right no, definitely. I am noticing uh, uh, crawl, walk, run across. You know, the theme seem, seems to be the theme. You know, around this conversation, and totally agree in in terms of you know taking baby steps uh, towards that maturity, right? 
Uh, last and two-prong question, uh, especially for those who are thinking uh, transitioning into analytics space and or applying analytics on workflows, what would you advise to those individuals to develop in terms of skill sets uh, in order to be successful in their future roles in business process owner or the workflow uh, roles? Yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll start here. Uh, so I think this uh, business process management space, right? It is uh, uh, not new and this is where this process optimization and mining piece largely fits in. But that, that entire uh, space and types of role you will see there is uh, a lot more, right? And some, somebody who is good at kind of the process discovery, other people are good at uh, process modeling. And then you have the other, the other teams like Six Sigma teams who actually drive the process improvement. Right. Um, that was, I think, the more traditional way. The way I see with these new tools and new algorithms, which makes this discovery uh, automated. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that's what power up and you know, blur some of those lines because you don't need those kind of the, uh, you know, the separate people. Um, so now when I think about the kind of the skill set, if somebody you know, the, wants to level up the existing skills or want to move into this space, um, I would say uh, uh, start reading about the process mining in general. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there's open source community has done a great job in putting mm -hmm. out some great content like, uh, you know, where it started and now, you know, it's becoming mainstream because right. uh, as more and more workflow gets digitized, uh, sure. we have the audit trail for no matter what plat cloud platform you use. Right. And that's allowing you to uh, do this automated discovery uh, within, within minutes and hours, right? Um, so I think understanding that, uh, you know, that, that, this, that, hey, this is just another tool set uh, in my right. toolbox. Um, uh, and, and then I think get comfortable with analyzing the data at a large scale. Uh, so, uh, which I think applies to no matter if you're starting with a simple BI uh, type of uh, the, the tool. It's, it's the, I think the principles are the same here as well. Mm -hmm. uh, one key differentiator I will uh, add here is uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of excitement and progress is the, what are the opportunities and uh, where we can apply some AI and machine learning techniques on the process data. Right. And the reason there is excitement there is because this set of data is more granular because uh, you know, the, compared to a typical table set data, like list of incident, Correct. This, this data has all the granular timestamp of everything happened in the life cycle of that particular cases or records, right? What was the activity? Who was the actor? How many people touched that, uh, that record uh, before it was closed, right? Yes. So that, that, that uh, and this area was pretty much untapped before, right? Ability yes. to, um, so this is really complementing some of those models that did not give you a good uh, output. Yes. Uh, the models were good, but then the, it's like, hey, the, if your input is bad. So I think this, uh, this additional data set uh, uh, is, is complementing and improving that input. So that your model output will be much, much better. Um, so yeah, I think any, anybody who is really excited about this, you know, the data plus, you know, more in, intelligent insight and recommendation, 
Yes. Uh, I would say that is a great, uh, great opportunity to uh, level up and then, uh, and then make a difference. That's helpful. Yeah. I mean, you know, Manjeet really covered the primary points um, in terms of skill set and, and, you know, just kind of theoretic mindset. Sounds great. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. This has been another insightful episode for me. And thank you very much for uh, joining me in this episode. And I look forward uh, to having you both in future episodes. Thank you. It was fun. This was an episode six of Analytics at ServiceNow, produced by one and only Matt Ackerman. In the next episode, we will cover a day in a life of data scientist and use of machine learning, as some might consider as black box, but not the data scientists. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with others. Remember, sharing is caring. Until next time.